Welcome to the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. My name is Danny Lazell, your host for season four, and today we welcome Kerry LG and Kirsty Waite from Ascent to share their thoughts on content creation, social selling, trade shows, and digital channel integration. I started off the episode by asking them where their creative and out-of-the-box ideas for content come from. Okay, so if we're starting with content creation and social selling, where do you get the inspiration to come up with the different sort of out-of-the-box ideas that I see you and your team doing on social? A lot of it comes from looking around at what other people are doing, but more in the the human way. So what our friends are up to on social media, the kind of things that we like interacting with that we find either interesting or entertaining. Yeah, I think we look for we look for trends because we're predominantly a chemistry orientated company. So we concentrate on the chemistry sector and we try and look for, for things that are trending at that present time. So things like photochemistry or things like flow chemistry. And that gives us an idea of what to search for and what to look for. But we also like things that look interesting for people to actually click on and say, oh, I'm a little bit intrigued about that. What's this about? And to make the, the images or the videos intriguing maybe lead with a question and then you kind of go down that that pathway but it's it's just yeah looking for areas of interest that you know people are going to want to click on and want to know more about and then the things like the national days they're quite good as well because you can bring the chemistry and you can bring your type of products into the national day as well which which makes it quite interesting and very relevant to a particular date too so are you looking for trends from what people are doing in their normal lives on social and then adapting them for your chemistry? Is, is that sort of what, what you're looking at? Bit of both, really, yeah. really, I would say. We we like to keep, as Kirsty said, the human element in things and keep them relevant to everyone's day-to-day life as much as possible. But there's also a lot of stuff that wouldn't be in everyone's daily life that happens in the labs, but that is really interesting too. So if you can combine the two different aspects, that's often quite interesting. What do you mean by the human? So can we delve a bit more into the human? So how much of when you're thinking about an idea to create a new video or, or a new piece of content for social or whatever, how relevant is the human element to, to what it is that you're trying to achieve or end up with in the end? I think for us, it's it's really important because, yes, the people that we're dealing with, they're chemists. They are frighteningly intelligent. They have incredible workloads. But at the end of the day... They've still got interests, they've still got hobbies, and no matter how much something interests you on a a technical basis, perhaps for work, you still need to understand that they're still a real person. So if you had, say, two presentations that you go past when you're scrolling, and one of them's got this information, and it's basically it's a printed Word document that's shown in a PDF format, you might not even notice it, but when you appeal to the human side of them, you know you have something which potentially has some humour, maybe, but it's eye-catching, there's some movement, and there's terminology, phrasing, titles that make it personal to that person. You know, how sick are you of X problem in your lab? This has been bugging me for years, you know. If you address that, then you're still meeting that technical element, but you're making it personal to that 
viewer at that point. And for us, that's definitely more effective because it's how we react to things ourselves as well. I think it's it's also about standing out. I mean, I, I, there's a very thin line, isn't there, about being too, maybe too over-familiar or being too personal, especially on the likes of platforms like LinkedIn, where you have to keep it more corporate and more sensible. However, as Kirsty just said, if you had a PDF document versus a video saying the same information, but there's movement and there's a person and there's something that you can actually relate to versus just lots of words. My personal preference would be to go towards the video because it's just like, well, I can watch this. This is quite informative. This is quite interactive. This actually brings me into the conversation. Whereas I think if I read a PDF, yes, the information's there and it's, it's still very interesting, but it wouldn't be something that I would automatically go towards. I'd be going towards the more visual side of things especially when you're scrolling through multiple amounts of information on a LinkedIn platform on something like a LinkedIn platform it is predominantly texty you've got your instas which yes are all about vibrant you know images and videos and things like that you've got your twitter which is a bit of both for us I don't think Facebook is so relevant for our kind of audience but definitely the LinkedIn side of things to stand out and be noticed doing the videos with the personal side but maybe not so much but you still got the personal element in there is is important it allows the viewer to more quickly ascertain if it's going to be interesting or relevant to them as well you know they get that snapshot yeah i think a lot of the time the the content that people when they're flicking through that what makes them stop is got to be relevant to that platform so you mentioned like the one page pdfs that's a lot to consume on a LinkedIn feed, especially if you're reading on your phone or something like that. Whereas a video that's maybe a bit different, not something everyone's used to seeing necessarily, and it's going to sort of get their interest levels up. And then it might only be they watch it for 20 seconds, but that 20 seconds will stay in their mind, exactly. even if they don't click on anything or, or, or any follow-up. Kerry, you mentioned about keeping it or the, the sort of the fear of making sure you're on your corporate platform or you're a serious company. Yeah, yeah. Was there any sort of fear from you on that side when you started out doing this sort of content? Absolutely, yes. Because especially with the TikTok side of things, because <laughs> that is a, a newer platform and it's maybe not classed as such a serious platform, but obviously you can take the videos from TikTok and embed those into LinkedIn. And the first TikTok orientated video I did on LinkedIn, I was sat there going, oh my God, how is this going to go down? Is this going to go down well? Is this, how is this going to be perceived? Not just ASIN, but me as a person as well that works for ASIN. I was like, oh, am I, am I doing the right thing here? But actually, I had so many people messaging me going, oh my gosh, that is so different to things that I normally see. It's not going to be for everyone. It's absolutely not going to be for everyone. And I completely understand that. But the amount of private messages I got on LinkedIn saying, I've never seen anything like that before, that absolutely made me want to click. I think it was a little um, spaceman doing a, a running dance saying, I'd just come back from holiday. I'm back behind the wheel. This is the latest newsletter that we've just put out from ASINT. Keep up with everything that was going on. And there's a picture of me as a cartoon character with my face in a little spaceman suit. So it's not your stereotypical LinkedIn type post. But it got the clicks and it got people clicking on the newsletter and it got people messaging me saying that really made me chuckle first thing on a Monday morning. So it, I think it did go down relatively well. But it's not something I think you should do all the time. You break it up with the sensible stuff in between as well. So you don't get 
you know, budged into this category where this is all that you do is TikToks because it's that. <laughs> no, there's there's definitely a balance to be found. Yeah. And I think it's something that between those of us that post, so on behalf of Ascent, as well as on our own channels, you have to gauge the response of the people that interact with you. And you can tell quite quickly which sorts of posts work with your audience, but by varying them, doing your ABC testing, you know, is very easy to see. And as you say, Kirsty, I think keeping that balance between the sensible stuff, the technical information, the videos, the visual, the audio side of things, and having a balance and it just makes things different, doesn't it? And it just alternates things every week when we post things of different in a different way. It keeps things interesting. Or we try to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can assure everyone who's listening, watching, reading that they are interesting and I do encourage everyone to, to check them out. So when you, you just talked about keeping the balance there, so are you when you're planning sort of content, are you saying, okay, from, from our company account, it's going to be this, this, this. From individuals, we want Kerry, I want you to do this, Kirsty to do this. How does that work? We have a central running theme, don't we, with Async. So we we keep that very much, can I say, centralised. So like if we put a newsletter out, that'll be on the Async thing. If we do a new product launch, that will be on the Async platform. We kind of keep that through the central call going through everything that the rest of the sales and the marketing team do. Where I can speak on behalf of the sales team. So the sales team will go out and see customers. And if we're allowed, we'll take images, we'll take little video snippets, we'll do TikToks and, and Instagrams and things like that. And then we'll put those on our own personal platforms. But then we'll always tag the customer when we've had their permission to post we'll always tag the customer because it's nice for the customer to see that you know they're what they're doing with their and for other people to see what our customers are doing with their chemistry not so much with the ascent products but about their chemistry and then we kind of relate all of that back to things that we've got we've got going in the week and themes that we've got going in the week like with the ascent central core going through the middle but it's it's nice to post things that your customers are doing throughout the week as well and information and technical data from from them too. How much planning goes into when you're doing your TikToks on the road? How much planning goes into that? Or is it just we turn up, you see an opportunity and you get your phones out and you put together something? Is it more like that or is it more, okay, we're going to this person today, we want to get this content, let's make sure we've got everything we need? Depends, doesn't it? I think, Kirsty, if we've got a video set up and we, you know, we're actually going to see a customer and it's going to, we're going to do a webinar with a customer and we're going to do some technical stuff, then we'll have, you know, oh, do you, would you mind doing a TikTok or would you mind if we did an Instagram or or an Instagram post or something like that? We'll we'll do that and we'll ask them in advance. However, if we're going to see a customer face to face and we're actually, you know, we just turn up in the lab and we see a dry sin being used or a condensing being used will then say it won't be planned it'll be like oh there's some of our equipment <laughs> would you mind <laughs> would you mind if we just took, is there anything private in the background you know that needs hiding yeah. and would you mind if we can and then we'll always ask when the team are meeting someone quite often you know a customer if you've not met them before they'll have a very different persona over the phone and by email but when you meet face to face you can gauge how they want to be treated you know some people like to be quite familiar some people keep it very very formal with their titles so once you've got that more of a feeling for the person you know 
can I ask them to do this? Would they like to do something a bit lighthearted? Do they want to do something which is more serious, straight-laced and really technical? So by not planning it too much, you're not setting yourself up for disappointment. You're not pushing expectations onto your customers but you're allowing them to get involved in the planning as well, which we found something that a lot of our customers really enjoy. They actually get quite excited about it. They'll come up with ideas for photos we can take and little video snippets that we can do, which gives us more flexibility. And it also enables us to repackage that material in lots of different ways. So taking those pictures, we can then use stills, we can do little snippets that we can use as reels on Instagram because, of course, the coverage for reels at the moment due to their algorithms are, are much better than stills. We can upload those interviews and things onto the YouTube channel, which is, is growing really well. We're sort of diversifying the type of content that we're including in our YouTube channel that ties in with this mixture of, sort of genres and feelings from our customers basically people like to talk about what they do they like to shout about you know oh we're doing this or we're saving water or we're being greener we're being more sustainable this is what people are really pushing for at the minute and if they're seen to be doing this it's a massive tick and it's it's a real it's a real badge of honor to have really to fact that they're they're being greener they're being more sustainable you know they're doing things in a safer way to the way they were performing their chemistry before it works really nicely that way. For ASIN, of course, we're benefiting from it too, absolutely. But so is the customer because they're shouting and, and telling everybody about the type of research they're doing. And I think with the whole of our marketing side of things, correct me if I'm wrong, Kirsty, but we're trying not to do the stereotypical sell because people just glaze over and it's just like, oh, God's sake, they're talking about this again or they're talking about that again. What we'd rather do is talk about the customer's chemistry and and what they're doing but they're using I don't know a free actor or they're using an illuminate to do this so it's a stealth sell but it's not a direct ASIC says you must buy this or you know this video says that you must buy whatever ASIC is selling it's look this customer is actually really benefiting and this is the type of research they're doing this is the chemistry they're performing and wow, it's really working. We'd much rather, we've changed the way we're doing things, haven't we, Kirsty, to try and make it more about the customer rather than directly the ASIN product? I think we've always had a a really honest approach with these things. So part of the ASIN ethos is we don't oversell. There's no point. That's not going to work for you in the long run. And our, our team of salespeople, they're chemists. They understand the issues that people are going through. So by talking about other customers chemistry then they might encounter a problem that they've been having and how it's been combated so you're showing the benefits in a real world way and it's it works for everybody involved there's there's no drawbacks to it so just as you mentioned what are the common challenges that your customers have for anyone who's not listening could you perhaps do a sort of brief overview on this is your chance to talk about your products now (laughs) after after we've just said that um Give a brief overview of the company and who it is that you're serving. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Ascent is a chemistry-orientated company. 
So we are predominantly in all chemistry, chemistry labs, whether it's inorganic, organic, physical process. It's, you know, we have products for all of those ranges. But what we like to focus on is new, novel, innovative ideas. So I think Kirsty mentioned earlier, we'll go into a lab and say, what are you having problems with? What are the hurdles here? What's really holding you back? And we'll we'll have these questionnaires and these these conversations with with customers to find out. Come on, what, what's really happening? And one of the first products we we actually brought out was the dry sun heating blocks, and that was because people were using oil baths in the laboratory. And obviously, oil can lead, especially when the oil's really hot. If it leads to spillages, it can it can lead to accidents on on your body. It can lead to slipping on the floors in the lab. But one of the most important things is is fires, fires in the laboratory. So by switching out all of the oil baths into the heating, the dry sun heating blocks, you are really reducing that fear of, of fire. And along similar lines, the condensing waterless condenser, we were having so many people coming up to us going, oh my God, we've had another flood in the lab. It's happened again. And it's it's always on the top floor and it's always on top of the NMR machine or the head of department's uh, office and that's when it's noticed <laughs> when it goes into the head of department's <laughs> office because all of his computers soaking all the all the, his or her sorry I should say um all of the the papers and everything in their room are soaking and it's just like right something needs to be done about this we can't leave reactions overnight with a, a typical water water condenser what can we do and then this is why we, we brought in the, the waterless condensers. So not only are you preventing floods, but you're also saving water. And that's a massive benefit because, again, if we go into our international market with the weather becoming warmer, with the problems with climate change and so on and so forth, water is becoming quite a sacred source. So if we can then prevent using you know, really good tap water that you'd normally use, instead of using that and we switch over to the, the air condensers, this keeps this precious commodity safe. So it's things like that. The flow chemistry side of things is making it safer to do your chemistry in the lab by only using small quantities of material at any one time. So if you're wanting to control an exotherm or if you're wanting to control an, control an explosive material, then flow chemistry could be the way forward. So we're always trying to look at little niche markets and areas where we could produce a product and then bring that into the lab. And I think our tagline is make lab life easier. So it's the green side, it's the sustainable side, the safety side, and just generally making life that little bit easier within the laboratory. I think the other side of it as well is that we call it the asyntize process. So there may be something that you're doing using homemade kit in the lab that's not especially safe. I think that's that's quite often the case with photochemistry. So we can actually work with customers to provide what starts off as a bespoke solution. But if there is enough interest in that, if it's something that actually chemists all over the world might find handy in their lab, then we can work with them to build up that as an actual marketable product and take it to the market either with them or for them and everything in between, everything that we offer as an async product can be tailored because we've got such a wealth of experience. We have scientific glass blowers, we have engineers, we have chemists, we've got 
everything that you can imagine. So no matter how specific it is, we can still tailor it. And you're so right about the whole collaboration side of things. So we brought the Pressure Centre to market with the University of Nottingham. We brought the Free Actor to market with the University of Leeds. And, you know, these collaborations are super important, like you mentioned, to develop a product which we know that chemists are having problems with or need. We work with them as end users and then bring that through into the chemistry ASINT portfolio. But yeah, you're right. So those customer insights you're getting sounds like all the time, very regularly. They're obviously really important when you're developing your products, but how much of those insights are used when you're formulating your sales and marketing plans? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, the other thing is that on your socials and things, you can do polls, which is fantastic. So if you put a poll out on LinkedIn or if you put a poll out on Twitter, you can get some, you can get some quite nice advice and people will do the poll and then, then, then they will message you privately or email you and say, I noticed you're asking for information on this. We have this issue. And then they like to talk. So it's a really good way of asking for information by going out on your socials or your YouTubes and, and, and doing it that way because it generates the interest and it we've got a customer database and we've got a nice customer database that you know we send out the newsletters and and email blasts and things too however there's so many more people that we don't know and we don't talk to and we've got no knowledge of and by reaching out on the social media side of things you can reach these people in these areas that you never thought there would be an interest in or even have a chemistry lab so by by doing these polls and by also doing research online, you have the whole circle then because you go and visit customers directly, you go on your socials, you reach out on your, your newsletters, and hopefully you get a really good informative research plan of, of and ideas and things of the of, of products that people could potentially want. It also allows you to share the questions that come up. Yeah. So yeah, if, absolutely. if one person you know, perhaps they're really interested in a, a product. So perhaps our photochemistry reactor, the Illuminate, which can allow you to do parallel photochemistry reactions all on one tiny little hot plate, but they want different wavelengths. They're not quite sure perhaps what's most appropriate for them. Perhaps they need more than one. Well, actually, this product's really diverse. You can swap backwards and forwards between different wavelengths, but you can't see that from a picture. But by answering that question for someone, think, well, okay, well, let's share that information because if they have that question, somebody else probably does too. Yeah. And that works right the way across the board on all of the, the channels that Kerry's mentioned. It also works as well on um, when you go to exhibitions. So as, as Casey was saying that we've got this Illuminate photochemistry platform and it's it's a Bobby Dazzler, it's all good. We you know, we like it, it works it works well. But when we went to Belgium Organic Synthesis Symposium and when we went to EFMC in Nice, so many people were saying, Well, how do you cool the Illuminate? And we're just like okay it's got a fan in the back and we're just like no but how do you cool the illuminate and we were just like um okay actually we've got a plan and from that we knew we would have to do it but we've developed a cooling base now for the illuminate and that's just through research through talking to people through through your media channels through exhibitions and your marketing material and everything that's that's at your exhibitions people are wanting to come over and speak and by all this communication 
you then develop your product line further because we now have a cooling base for the Illuminate. And that's something that we hadn't initially thought of when we first did the initial research, you know, or looking and asking the questions and things. It wasn't something we thought, oh, we might need. But by talking to people who actually are in the lab doing photochemistry, it's something that they absolutely do. Well, some groups absolutely do need. So we've developed a cooling base from that. So, yeah. You're learning every day and picking something up every day. <laughs> Absolutely. So would it just to go back to social media and the sort of objectives, would it be fair to say that your main objective is to obviously increase awareness of your company, but more it's more about conversation starters and market research as opposed to direct generate leads today now need to find new business. Is that is that a fair comment? Oh, that's always nice to have leads as well. <laughs> <laughs> We want everything. We want absolutely everything done. That's it. <laughs> so, for example, when you're making one of your TikTok videos, what, what's the thought when you're doing it? Are you thinking, right, I'm doing this because I need a company who's never heard about us to make an inquiry tomorrow? Or are you, what, what's the what's no, I'm the usually, why are you doing this, Kerry? <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's the, the first thing that goes through my head. <laughs> Why, yeah. Why are you not doing more of them? That might be the more <laughs> we have um, We quite like the dancing with condensing TikToks. Yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, no, I think with TikTok, yes, it's it's brand awareness and getting people to click on us and go, what is that about? What's what's happening with this? That's, yes, that's more so than getting the technical data and the technical information and product development and things like that. Again, it, it just depends on which platform you're on. It depends on who you're wanting to reach out to in that particular post and what you want back from that post. So the technical side of things, you know, if we put out a, a chemical reaction and say, oh, this X goes to Y to Z and, and we use this to do that, I would use that as maybe a stealth cell or a new product information. I think it all goes back to what we we're speaking at the beginning. It's getting that mixture of of a particular post for a lead, a particular post for brand recognition, a particular post for technical information. And if you can do a post where it combines everything all at the same time I think you're winning but yeah it's it's difficult. We have to gauge how the users use those platforms so a lot of our, our relationships that we have with people on Twitter and Instagram that's when they're browsing of an evening so you're going to have more light-hearted things yeah. we get a lot of interactions Sunday mornings are fantastic on LinkedIn for example. So by using platforms that can We're do... giving away our secrets now. <laughs> I, say, I thought only I knew that secret. Now... <laughs> yes, gauging what people are going to platforms for is really important. So you can get away with more of the fun, light-hearted things because people are looking in their spare time. They don't necessarily want to be sold to they're interested in seeing the new technology and finding out how it can work for them, but not being sold to. Whereas if they're looking in the daytime, it's predominantly looking for a solution for a problem they're having or finding out more about a product they've perhaps heard of or looking for a solution for the work they need to do, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's a real mixture. And you can see which posts work well as well, because we have 
a software on, on the back of our website that tells us where people come from to look at a particular product or a particular information sheet on our website. So we can look, use that extra software to say, oh, that post has done well on LinkedIn. Look how many people have come onto our website from that post on LinkedIn. Or that reel on, on Insta has generated a lot of interest because we can see who's coming onto the website from that as well. So by looking at that information, we can gauge that, well, certain posts will work well on certain aspects, certain platforms, certain technical data will work better on others. And we can kind of gauge for, and posting times, like you said, Kirsty, the times of day and the, the days in the week as to when you post as well. So, yeah. But not Sunday mornings, actually. Sunday mornings are rubbish. Sunday mornings are rubbish. Yeah, Don't post yeah. it. Ever I can concur that Sunday mornings are the worst time to post anything. <laughs> yeah, Don't do it. Um, but no, but I think that's important because what you're saying about the understanding the channel and how people are using it and the time of day they're using it, that's so important because people aren't on Instagram on their commute wanting to read sort of 20-page application, things like that. They, they want to be amused. They want to be entertained. They want to be laughed. And if they don't click, they'll remember it because you've entertained them. And then tomorrow when they're back at their desk, they're on LinkedIn, they might see a more serious uh, post and then be like, oh, yeah, that's the company that did that yesterday sort of thing. So it's about understanding customers, how they use these platforms and then adapting your content accordingly. Yeah, that's so true. Definitely. Kerry, you mentioned trade shows. I know that you, you're back on the road. I've seen you on... <laughs> Well, I've seen you on TikTok at trade shows rather than seeing you at a trade show recently. I'm sure we'll see you on the road at some point soon. In the last year or so, how, how have you found trade shows? What's What's been the, the sort of the footfall, things like that? Yeah, I think if I know I'm not supposed to mention the dreaded C word, but I think there are still some people that are quite, you know, um, worried about the whole COVID side of things. So I don't think exhibition numbers are up to what they used to be. However, I think over time that'll change when people realise that COVID is going to be part of, of everyday life, unfortunately. But the conference that I went to in Belgium and the one that I went to Nice were very well attended. There were still a lot of a lot of people there and and the interest was there. And the, the joy, the actual joy, it sounds so cheesy, but the joy on people's faces to actually see physically, you know, see people in real flesh, in real life, and it, it touched people. It's just like, oh, you're, you're a real human. It was lovely, that that real human element, the fact that you see people face to face and you can actually speak to them and they can touch the products and see the products and, and see how they work. I mean, it, it's it's very different, a proper exhibition face to face rather than doing a virtual exhibition, which... It's just different. It's completely. I much prefer the face-to-face ones. It's so much easier and so much nicer. <laughs> so definitely, we have, we've actually changed how we display things at yes. exhibitions now. You know, previously there would be a fair amount of literature for people to take away, which, of course, sustainability-wise, we want to reduce the amount of printed materials wherever we can. But also, the more things for people to touch the more chance there is of people picking things up that they don't want to pick up. So keeping means of data transfer more digital works for everybody. So providing QR codes for straightforward um, information uploads, doing digital forms for mailing lists or leads, that side of things is really important now. 
I think especially with EFMC, we just brought to market uh, the Lighthouse, which is one another photochemistry product that we'd got. So that was an ideal opportunity to bring all the new product launch material into EFMC exhibition. So we were taking like little videos and like little reels and putting the information out there. Um, I think we'd have we put it in the newsletter as well, hadn't we, Kirsty, that we were launching we were launching the lighthouse at EFMC. So for for product launches at exhibitions, I mean that was that was phenomenal. That that worked really really nicely. But it's an ideal opportunity because you. I'm looking over there because one of my reactors is over there, and I was thinking it's an ideal opportunity that everything is up and working and whizzing and moving and and generating eye catching material. So you can do your little videos of things spinning around and things mixing and colours mixing together and and doing all. It's a perfect opportunity to see the kit in literally in motion but I think what we've tried to do is is make the stands a lot brighter and a lot more interactive because what you want to do I think at an exhibition stand as well as all your social media is if there's somebody right at the other side of the room or if there's somebody in an office that's just you know looking through the socials you want something to go pop wow that's what I want to go and look at and that's what I want to go and investigate and it's with exhibition stands, you want that colour, you want that movement, you want something to entice a customer that's, you know, 500 metres in that direction. You want to bring them over to your stand and have a conversation with them. So we've got things like the magic tap on our stand. And this is just a free flowing water tap that just recycles. But it it mimics the amount of water that you waste that goes down the drain in the labs. But this stand just looks like it's, it's standing in the middle of air. And it's it brings everyone over. Say, oh, what's that? What's that? Why have you got a tap on your on your stand? It's like, ah, oh, because you're wasting a lot of water in the lab, and that, you know. Then it brings them in, and then the conversation begins. And it's the same if you put the, if you put a video of the magic tap on to socials, people are just like, wow, that's amazing. Where did you get that from? They're not bothered about the ASIN products. On <laughs> just like, oh, that magic tap. Where did you get that from? No, they are really. They do like the products as well. But it's just trying to engage and make things exciting and interesting for the customer to come over and have a conversation no matter what platform you're using whether it's socials or whether it's an exhibition you just want to gauge people's interest I think we have over the last year we've actually refreshed the way that we use imagery as well so we had typically gone with quite um, a straight-laced presentation for exhibitions and we've updated that so that it's much bolder much fresher more eye-catching it's actually easier to set up so it looks more professional from the outset but we've incorporated all of our corporate id images so standard templates files image components and we use those across the social media across the exhibitions, within the website, but we try and use them in different ways. So you don't always see the same backdrop. You don't always see the logo in exactly the same way. We use those components to suit the objective and the channel. So you can just see behind Kerry, we've we've got a, oh. a quite a, a bold <laughs> banner. So that and a, a further one, we set up for the EFC, EFMC exhibition that Kerry was talking about. And people were actually coming and having their photo taken next to them. By the banner. <laughs> yeah. So 
by going a little bit bold, still keeping it relevant, people want to see. They want to know what it's about, what you're doing. So it's, you know, as long as you're keeping it sensible, you know, up to up to a point where we're not going to do anything ridiculous. We're still knowledgeable, technical experts in our field, but we still have a sense of humour. <laughs> we still like to have a laugh like everyone else does. And by incorporating all those elements across the board on all the channels, it works brilliantly. A big thanks to Kerry and Kirsty for sharing their time and expertise with us all today. If you've enjoyed listening, then please think about leaving a review on your podcast provider, sharing this episode on social media or with a colleague internally that you think might enjoy it. This podcast was edited by Jao Pinto and brought to you by Azo Network. We'll be back again soon with more special guests for the marketing science community. We hope you can join us then. And until next time, take care and thanks for listening.